Hi, I'm Jen Landis, founder of Pin Curl Girls, and this is the Girl Brave Podcast. In this episode, I chatted with Izzy, a 17-year-old social entrepreneur and gender equality activist with a passion for all things STEM. She's the co-founder and CEO of First Empower, a Gen Z-powered social enterprise that is dedicated to empowering young girls through STEM. So let's get started. Hi, Izzy. How are you today? I'm good. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well, but exhausted, but uh, here and excited to, to chat. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. Let's start with how old you are and what grade you're in. Yeah, so I am 17 years old. I just graduated high school. I'm a graduate of LaGuardia High School, which if that name sounds familiar, that's because a lot of pretty big stars went there. It's an arts high school. So, you know, we got Timothy Chalamet, Jarrell Jerome, Nicki Minaj, just to name a few. And I will be attending Barnard College of Columbia University this fall, which is very exciting that we are actually going to be on campus, as I just learned as of uh, two days ago. So that's really exciting. And yeah. That sounds amazing. What is it like to go to an arts high school? That's kind of what my whole uh, education has been. I started acting when I was about eight years old. So the way LaGuardia works is that you have a specific major. So I was a drama major. And I also attended middle school uh, at an art school. So I was I was in the, the drama talent is what they call that my middle school. So uh, yeah, acting has always been a really big part of my life. And the way it works at LaGuardia, um, you know, with other art schools, there's normally like it's hard to do this 50-50 between both arts and academics, but LaGuardia does do a really good job of having, um, you know, strong academics while having an amazing arts curriculum. So it's really, I've really received, you know, four years of a conservatory theater education. A lot of my friends are pers- are pursuing BA programs, you know, a select handful also BFA programs. It's a really special experience to be surrounded by so much creativity. I mean, even in our academic classes, you know, if we have a project, there is always six different ways that we can do this project, you know, depending on what your major is. So I've done class projects where I'm up there, you know, I'm a drawing major, but there's a lot of overlap between the different arts. So I've done projects where I've sung about the Pony Express in my Apewitch class on my ukulele with a little song I wrote about it. And in my math class, people, you know, for my AP Calculus final project, people made these like intricate videos. Um, and it's just, it's been, it's been a, a privilege to attend a school with so much talent and creativity. That sounds absolutely way more fun than my high school. <laughs> no, I mean, it's no victorious, as many people think it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movie, you know, there's a whole movie based off of LaGuardia, which is also, you know, it's called it's called Fame or something yeah. like that. I've never actually seen it. But yeah, it's, it's cool. It's definitely a unique experience. And I'm really glad that I got to be a part of it. Is your whole family involved in theater? No, not at all, actually. Uh, no, my my parents never grew up acting at all. I have actually no clue. No one has ever asked me that, where this acting comes from. My mom, uh, when I, you know, she, she signed me up for my first acting program when I was eight. Uh, I had a couple lines in it. This program called BCT, which is the Brooklyn Children's Theater, because I, I live in Brooklyn in New York. And yeah, and I did lots of, you know, I, there would be like two shows a year with BCT. I would, they were like my favorite. I mean, you know, it's my interests have definitely evolved as I've gotten older, but 
there is really no feeling like the feeling when you're about to go on stage. And I've I've always, you know, ever since I was younger than eight years old, I've loved being in the spotlight. And I've always been, you know, just very, very artistically inclined. My dad, um, I do think, I do say that the, the arts and creativity really come from him. My dad is a literary agent, but he has like 5 million artistic hobbies. So he is a watercolor painter along with a poet and also a New York City street photographer. So I've always grown up with a ton of art around me. Um, and what's, it's funny because the other art I do is play piano. I played piano since I was three years old. Um, but once again, neither of my parents really played either. So I, I don't know what happened to make the, you know, the arts flow in these different ways. But um, yeah, I think that just, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter that my parents didn't, they didn't play piano or they didn't act. And it's the same that goes for my, all my interests in STEM. I mean, my, which I guess we'll get into more, but yeah, I mean, both my parents never did anything STEM related. And here I am very involved in STEM advocacy and have considered myself a big STEM girl since I was eight as well. So things happen in weird ways, I guess. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you, you're, you're checking all the boxes. Yes. That's awesome. Because when I think of an artist, I don't think of, oh, she's into STEM too. Or if I like know that like you're into STEM, that you are, you know, an actress and play the piano. That's so amazing. So you, you started basically all these like interests when you're eight. What was your first introduction to STEM? Yeah, so this is one of my favorite little stories to tell. So when I was about eight years old, I was walking with my mom, just like, you know, I don't know where we're going, somewhere in Brooklyn. And I was always a very curious kid, but I think that it was really this one story that, or this one moment that's really stayed ingrained with me and really has led me down this whole this whole exploration of, you know, the wonders of STEM. And I noticed that there was a car moving fast or something, you know, it was driving faster than the perceived, you know, speed that you go in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Um, and so I made a comment. I'm just like, you know, I observe my surroundings and I, you know, I say something to my mom, like that car is moving really fast. And her immediate response was, well, you know, it's moving quickly only relative to what you're comparing it to. And this launched us in this whole conversation of, you know, looking at our surroundings and you know, understanding that the way we perceive something is very different than how someone else might perceive something and the way things move and interact with one another in space and, you know, in our daily lives is very different depending on the, the perspective from which you look at it. So that was really this first moment that I was just like, whoa, boom, like, you know, I had never stood there questioning my surroundings in the way that I did until that moment. And then this same questioning really took to questioning of space and the universe and, and the cosmos, as I say, when I went to my first planetarium visit. So I'm not sure if you really with planetariums, but there's there are these really cool like dome-like rooms where you can kind of go into them. They're often at museums that have like a space exhibit going on. And you go in and you lie back in these chairs and there's like these beautiful space shows projected often with someone kind of running you through while you're seeing you're passing different planets or passing through different galaxies. And it was at the American Museum of Natural History um, was where I went to my I went I went to the Hayden Planetarium and it was really lying down, you know, with my with my back against the chairs looking up that I was like, oh, my God, you know the same things that I'm questioning about Earth and how things move around me specifically 
how much cooler is it to question how things move in space? And I really, I mean, from when I was eight years old up until very recently, I was very incessant on becoming an astronomer when I grew up. I said, you know, I've got astrophysicist, I've said astronomer, I've, you know, I've dabbled with the different words. They basically mean the same thing. But if you ask any of my friends that have ever known me throughout my childhood and you ask them, what did Izzy say she wanted to do when she grew up? Everyone would say astrophysicist. I was very proud that I loved space so much and I wanted people to know how cool I thought it was. And that was really, that's, that's really the origin story. And What's cool is that the American Museum of Natural History is now the place I just finished conducting um, 10 months of astrophysics research at. So I think it's really beautiful how that really made full circle, you know, in a place that I decided I wanted to be an astrophysicist, that I in many ways became one, you know, about nine years later. So, yeah. So what does an astrophysicist do? So that's a great question. I mean, when I was growing up, my idea of an astrophysicist was just someone who looks at space, analyzes space, does different calculations to understand how different elements of space interact with each other. Now, in astrophysics, there's kind of more subsets. So one uh, area of astrophysics that was really interesting to me for a while was cosmology, which I think is cool from an actor perspective, because cosmology is the story of the universe. And cosmology has been a field that's been around for a really long time. And, you know, which is which is cool and not cool in other ways. But, you know, it's really so beautiful to me that as human beings, we have found a way to completely trace back everything that has led us to be the people that we are today. Carl Sagan, one of my role models as an astronomer, who actually went to college with my grandfather, who was a biophysicist, and they were roommates at the University of Chicago. But that's that's um, but Carl Sagan has this very famous line that we are all made of star stuff. And it's true. And I think it's a really beautiful way to look at life. Everything in the universe that has ever existed before us has brought us to this moment to create the people that we are today. And I think as I've grown older, my love for space has turned into something almost more spiritual, which I've never really like explored all that much. But I think it is just so fascinating that we have been able to like as human beings, you know, become advanced enough to create technologies, advanced enough to understand what brought us here in the first place. Um, and that's just so cool to me. Would you like to go into space? Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, I always, you know, had daydreams of what it would be like to be an astronaut. And I mean, that truly is amazing. I think, you know, the journey to to being someone that goes in space, to becoming an astronaut is not for me because it's more about like you're really like a pilot and then you're you're the pilot of a spaceship and then it's just a lot more you know technical because I don't really know how you would even really call that but my interest is always a lot more in the thinking and in the imagining and just I you know I took my, my the first time I ever took a real astronomy class was this past summer at Harvard I did the, the Harvard summer secondary school program and it was a seven week class where there were 50 of us and I was one of four girls classic we love it no we don't and it was in this class that from the day that we got there I, I was just blown away I sat right in the front I was out there taking notes and I just I love learning about space. I think it is so cool. And, you know, I could 
now my memory is a little rusty as I've been very preoccupied in the past year with many other things. But, you know, nothing got me more excited than like really understanding how supernovae work and understanding that there's different types of galaxies, that there's ellipse. And just I could go on and on about everything that, that I've learned. And I realized kind of, you know, from this class that what I love doing is really talking to people about space rather than being the one actually doing the calculations where my skill set really comes in with all of my years of acting in particular is that I know where to talk to people and I know where to get people excited about the things that I'm excited about. And I definitely in the past couple months too, this has really expanded into a love for talking about all things STEM and beyond astronomy, but using my voice as a trained actor to get other people excited and exposed to how awesome STEM is because I mean, I just think it's the coolest thing ever. And I want everyone to be as excited as I am when, you know, my eyes light up talking about supernovae, right? That if the word STEM is even said, that I want to see, you know, a classroom full of little girls' eyes light up with how awesome they think it is too. Well, with you as a role model, I can see you getting a lot of girls interested. Oh, well, that's so nice to hear. Thank you. Why do you think that there's so few girls? Like when you said you're one of four girls in the class, why do you think that is? And how can we change that? Yeah, I mean, this is a question that I am constantly thinking about um, that goes much into the work that I hope to dedicate my life to changing. Um, But, you know, I often tell this other story. So when I was seven years old, you know, we'll take it back a year from when I had my own discovery of the wonders of STEM. My best friend said to me that she wants, to be a marine biologist when she grew up because her father was a scientist so she had been exposed to science at a young age and I laughed in her face I have such a clear memory of doing that and I laughed because the idea of a girl growing up becoming a scientist might as well have been a joke to me because we are not exposed to scientists let alone female scientists as children. Um, It's not in any of our school curriculums. I have literally no memory of ever being taught about a female scientist or really like, uh, I mean, a scientist in general, but like specifically a female scientist in elementary school. And I am always saying that everything that we must do to really fight like any social justice issue, it really begins with the, with, you know, more than the youth, with the children. And, you know, I, I say that there's kind of two different ways that that, you know, changing, changing this story, changing this, this, this narrative that STEM is for boys can happen. And I see one, I see for me, my story came with actually being, you know, my journey in STEM came with actually being exposed to it, right? Having a conversation with my mom that sparked this curiosity. So I consider that more of like, you know, a hands-on exposure, right? Or maybe, maybe seeing it, or we can say seeing it too, like I saw space for myself when I was in the planetarium. That's one way. But I think that goes hand in hand with being taught STEM or being, or seeing female scientists, right? And that as children, we're really not shown that. As little girls, we're not shown that. So how are we supposed to believe that we can grow up to be something that we never before seen? Right? Because I thought as a little girl that a scientist, what little I knew about science in general, right? Because that's also an issue that we're not really, we don't have great STEM education in general. But my idea was of a scientist was like an old white dude with like crazy hearing glasses, you know, a total Einstein mad scientist figure. And that is so incorrect. I mean, that is so, so, so far from the reality of what a scientist looks like. And now more than ever, 
I think it is so important that we change what girls think a scientist looks like from when they're six years old. And we show girls, hey, you know, we expose girls to these female STEM role models so that they can say, so that they can say to these girls, hey, look, here we are now. We are real life people. We are standing before you. And we are, we are, we, you have the powers, you have this STEM power invested in you already that you can grow up to use to actually become a scientist or to use to become an engineer. And I think what's really cool about STEM in general, and I really learned this from my internship, spending so much time on the computer, not, not looking at a telescope. Like I was creating code to analyze my data of images taken from a telescope, right? That STEM is so interdisciplinary and that, you know, more than more, more, more often than not a scientist has the same skill sets as a computer scientist. And a computer scientist often has the same skill sets as an engineer. Like this is such an overlap, which is why, you know, as children, we need to be exposed to yes, scientists, but we need to be exposed to people that work in tech and people that are engineers and people that do stuff with math or, or understand how math can even be applied in the real world. Because I can't even really answer that question right now. I mean, I kind of, I have some ideas, you know, like accounting. Okay. But that's not exciting at the end of the day, you know, like that we really need to be exposing children to all of the wonders of STEM so that they can grow up knowing maybe, maybe, you know, this goes for girls, this goes for boys too, though. But, you know, I want to focus, my work is focused on girls, right? I'm not telling any little girl that she needs to become a scientist or that she needs to, you know, engineer the next app that completely changes humanity. All I want girls to understand is that STEM can be a path for them and is a path for them should they want to go down it. And no little girl should ever laugh when her friend tells her that she wants to be a scientist. So you're the founder of First Empower. Is that kind of your mission is to get in front of young girls and show them what it is like in the field of STEM? Yes, absolutely. So our mission at First Empower is that we are dedicated to uh, empowering girls through STEM. And it's that through word rather than to pursue that I think is is what, you know, not only sets us apart, but it is so important for what we're trying to say, right? That we're just, we're a, we're a tree with branches, right? We're going to give you these resources. We're going to expose you to STEM. And if you fall in love with it, amazing. Go and be the next STEM trailblazer. But maybe you take those STEM skills and you go off and become a badass politician. That is equally as dope. So I think what we're really trying to do here is that we want girls to understand that there is this power that comes with STEM. What we say at the end of the day is that every single, we want every single little girl to know that STEM is her superpower and that she's already got it. That we want girls to understand that they're literally our magical powers. STEM might as well be considered magic. I mean, it's by far the closest thing we'll ever have to magic that really truly exists. I mean, even in these like little experiments that, you know, what we're working on right now is, you know, we're going to scale and scale and scale to really create a business that is as impactful that as we want it to be that, you know, we're, we're, we're working with very limited resources right now, especially in quarantine for what we ultimately what we ultimately want our impact to be. But even in these little experiments that we, you know, we give tutorials for on our website for girls to do at home with their families, they're really cool. Like in one of them, you can literally write in invisible ink, just knowing, knowing how to combine lemon juice with a couple other household ingredients. Like that is so cool. And, you know, all of a sudden as a 
scientists are now, you know, their superpowers is invisibility, right? That what we really want to do is teach STEM in a way that makes it seem like you're learning a special superpower or rather that you're unlocking a special superpower, right? We're saying, we're really just handing you the tools to like get it on yourself and understand that there is this amazing power that you have to do all of these crazy things that, you know, go on in STEM and that all it takes is someone literally saying, yes, you can. And someone showing you that, yes, you can. Someone showing you that you have this skill set and you, it's up to you to use it. It's up to you to figure out how you want to use it. We're not going to tell you how you want to use it, right? But we're going to show you these different possibilities. We're going to show you that, you know, that there is this amazing feeling that comes from breaking down a really complex math problem and actually getting an answer. Or there's this amazing feeling that comes from working with a science experiment and hold up, wait, it actually works. Like you made something happen. Awesome. Right. And I think that it's both, you know, our work is focused on both like kind of long-term leading girls on this journey to be changing the world using STEM as their tool to make that happen. But at the same time, there exists this, you know, more, more close to self-work that we're trying to do that we are trying to instill confidence, right? And what that means is that we want girls to recognize their own abilities and to be able to go into the world knowing that they have these abilities. And, you know, I've talked to so many of my, of my friends who are young women and talked about their experience in their STEM classes. And so, so often girls are so deterred from continuing to pursue STEM based on how they perform in their STEM classes. And there is such this weight that comes with being a girl in STEM. And, you know, I've experienced it myself. I, in in seventh grade, um, I was in my first advanced math class. And this was the first time in a STEM class that I'd ever really struggled. In you know, in fifth grade, I was placed at, you know, table six, which was the highest table for like the best students at math, whatever 10-year-old math even, you know, how you're going to put whatever besides the point. Um, but in, in seventh grade, you know, this class was really hard for me. I actually failed my first test and I had gone from being number one on the high honor roll in, in my whole grade in sixth grade. So I was literally the top of the class from now top of the grade rather to now failing my first test in this class. And I was like, what the heck? And I was like, okay, well, did I give up? No, I immediately said, okay, let me get a math tutor. So I got a math tutor. And the whole year I worked with a math tutor and I am still actually very close with this math tutor. Her name is Wendy and she's actually one of my neighbors and is lovely and wonderful. And I've made a lifelong companion from it. Anyway, but that's the point once again. But I, um, you know, I worked with my math tutor once a week, always practicing my math and so, so incessant on getting better and doing better. And I did. And I ended the year, you know, getting, I wasn't failing. I was getting grades in the nineties. Um, was it the best in the class? No. And was I, you know, but, but I had done the work and I had, I had worked my butt off and I had improved and I, you know, numerically improved, let's say, right? And, but no, uh, to my math teacher, that didn't matter. And he actually, he, keyword, he, took me out of uh, the classroom one day at the end of seventh grade. And he, he basically suggested that comparing my scores uh, test-wise with other students in the class, that he recommends that I drop out of advanced math and that I should go back to regular math. No. And I was, yeah, um, I spent the whole year, you know, really working hard to do well with, you know, do well by what school says is well, which is getting high test grades. And he couldn't even recognize, you know, how much work I had put in and couldn't understand that I was 
that I was doing math, that I was in this class for reasons well beyond doing well, that I actually loved math and that I actually had a passion for STEM in general. But he couldn't see that. And right after that, you know, cherry on, cherry on the, 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 the Sunday, let's say, I literally the next day we, you know, we were getting, we, our homeroom teacher was handing out letters for everyone who got into advanced science. And this might as well have been literally for a movie. I was the last person online. I, I had done really well in my science class, but I'm not the best test taker in the world if you haven't gathered that. And the last person online, like totally, you know, I literally go up, no one's in the classroom. It's the end of the day. It's like a Friday. I have my hand out and my teacher goes, oh, Isabel, we don't have a, we don't have a envelope for you. And once again, I'm like, what? You have got to be kidding me. I didn't get into advanced science. And now my, and my advanced math teacher is telling me that I'm not good at math basically. And I was like, oh my God, it was like double heartbreak. And I just remember walking around the halls of my middle school, like so emo, you know, little 12 year old me being like, what is good? Like, am I really just not good at math and science? Am I really not cut out to, to, to be an astrophysicist one day? Is this, you know, is this what this is telling me? Um, and I really had like serious panic and just so sad. I mean, it is, it is so sad to really have your, your, I mean, dreams like literally crushed. That's what it was about. That's what it felt like was happening. And I remember also these moments of being like, hold up, we are not doing this. We're not taking these math and science classes because we care about the grades, right? We're doing them. We're taking them because we really like math and science and we really like space and we want to be an astrophysicist. And this is so much bigger than these these advanced class, these advanced classes when you're in middle school. Like I've, I've, I very much understood that as a child, that my passion was so much bigger than what any possible numeric grade could say about my intelligence or my worth. And this is all to say that I was stuck with science and math in STEM in general, you know, at, in high school, I, I, I did stick with the advanced math class and I fought to get into the advanced science class, fought, fought, fought. I, and I almost did it, but there was no room left in the class. So I said, okay, you know what? So fine. I wasn't in the advanced science class in eighth grade, not the end of the world. Um, and throughout middle school, I mean, throughout high school, I stuck with the advanced classes. I skipped two years of math. I went from algebra two right into AP calculus, AB. I got a five on the AP calculus exam. Not that grades are that important, but obviously, you know, a perfect score on one of the most difficult AP classes feels really good. And that was actually the one test score in my entire life that meant something to me, um, that really told me, you know what, in that class, I mean, I don't even want to go into that, but that class made me really rethink my whole plans of doing anything math and science led. I mean, it was so hard. I failed so many tests, but I kept going and I knew the curriculum was hard, but I knew I could do well on the AP exam and I got a five and that's the highest you can get. And so I've, you know, I've constantly had these moments of like going in and out of my, of, of doing STEM. But what has really kept me grounded is that it is, it has always been bigger for me than how I've done in school. And this is all to say, right, my whole thing I'm actually getting at at here is that because I discovered my passion for STEM well before grades mattered or test scores mattered, I've been able to stick with it. And that's, and I was, because I was exposed to it. And that is why ultimately it is, it is literally so important that children 
and little girls in particular are exposed to STEM in elementary school before these STEM classes have this weight. Because I know that there's a lot of little girls who have been in my position, I'm sure of it. And maybe that math teacher saying that she should drop out of the advanced class, maybe she listened and knows where she could have been today had she not and stuck with her passion. If she had had a passion, if she had been exposed to it. That is such, such, like, it's very super, it's so powerful to hear because I can see in young girls that if they, make a mistake, they easily give up, like quickly. And even they won't even give them chance themselves, it's not everyone, yeah. but they won't even give themselves a chance to love it or to try because they're super embarrassed or afraid to ask for a tutor. Someone out there is listening to this right now that might feel that way. What advice would you give her to, to, to see that bigger picture? Yeah, I mean, I think... Ultimately, you know, things come down to you telling yourself yes. And in this world, there are just going to be so many people that tell you no. And that ultimately, if you believe in yourself and your capabilities, you can do anything. And my mom really instilled this idea into me as a child. And she said to me that, you know, or, or I, I saw through experience that there were things that were going to be really, really hard. And it was going to feel like the easy thing to do or what, not even easy, but what would make the most sense, you know, by the standards of our society is to just stop. There's enough signs saying no that would feel more powerful than that. Maybe that one sign saying yes. So a lot of people end up choosing the no. A lot of girls end up saying, you know what? I don't want to mess up so bad because that means like, I think that this thing happens with girls where like mistakes are so personal. Whereas with boys, and I see this especially in STEM classes, you know, when a girl makes a mistake on a, on, a, on a math test, she flips out. Me, I'm that girl flipping out, right? Because suddenly, you know, this test is now a reflection of my worth and this grade is a reflection of my worth. And oh my God, I'm not smart. I'm not smart. I'm not smart. And this whole downward spiral. Whereas you see a boy make a mistake, make a mistake on a math test. Oh, it's the test fault. The, the question was worded weird. I, you know, whatever. And boys have this inherent confidence, especially when it comes to these STEM classes, because they've never been told otherwise. There's never been this fight. There's never been this need for them to stick it out because they haven't had to have that whole inner dialogue. Whereas with girls, that's what we have to do. And we need to have this inter inner dialogue with ourselves. We need to constantly be reaffirming ourselves and saying yes and telling ourselves that we are freaking amazing, that we are beautiful geniuses because we are. And ultimately, you know, you cannot control your surroundings. You cannot control what people say to you, what people say about you behind your back, what your teachers say to you, what, what all these people have these opinions and their ideas of what they think is right for you. But none of that at the end of the day matters if you are not feeling right with yourself. So you have to do that inner work. You have to question yourself. You have to question, well, why am I, why do I want to do this? Why am I going to stick it out? Why should I keep taking math and science classes when I had two clear examples of math and science saying no to Izzy? And because I was able to recognize that I had this inner passion, that I had this inner belief in myself, that I recognized that I am worth more than what my test scores say about me. I was able to stick it out and keep going. And so I urge every single little girl to stick it out and talk herself up if the world isn't doing that and say yes to you because at the end of the day, you're the one leading your life. You're the one creating this life of your dreams, right? So 
Who are you to let other people dictate how you should lead your own life and what you should continue to pursue or not pursue, right? This is, this is, this is a you question and this is a you journey. So say yes to you. Say yes to you. I absolutely love that. Awesome. So where can a girl start learning more about STEM? Like, can they go to your website and get those activities? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, our, you know, I think it really depends on the age level. I mean, a lot of First Empower, you know, as of right now, we target girls ages 6 to 10. And in, you know, the future developments of our work, that is definitely the age group that I, I do hope to be continuing targeting. But maybe, you know, it goes out a little bit. Maybe we're doing like 5 and 11. Like, I don't quite know. But definitely, I think I would, that I definitely urge young girls to check out First Empower, sign up for our mailing list, rather young girls' parents to sign up for our mailing list um, and stick with us as we iterate and we create impactful content for girls to engage with STEM and be exposed to STEM in a way that is innovative and not taught by boys or men of any way, shape, and form. That's something that I will continue to fight for with First Empower, that this will be a female-led company. More than that, that we're going to be led by Gen Z. You know, I want People, I think that at the ultimately, you know, Gen Z is able to connect best with young girls. We're the most similar in age. We've been there not that long ago. We know what it feels to be somewhat, you know, we, it hasn't been that long since we were 10 years old, right? Only a couple of years. So we know best how to work with girls at this age. And I think that, you know, it's amazing to see all of these initiatives now when you get into middle school and high school, right? Now there's Girls Who Code, Code with Classy, where I'm actually going to be learning real code for the first time this summer, you know? And it, which is also to note, like, you know, I'm talking like I'm this STEM uh, guru or whatever, you know, like I, you know, have experience and I do, you know, I have my own STEM story, as I say, but there's so much for me to learn too. I'm only 17 also, right? I'm not that old. I have so much more learning to do. Um, and what's great is that there are programs that target people my age and they target people that are thir- girls that are 13 and girls that are 16. And now at First Empower, girls that are six. And I am really fighting for, you know, more more STEM organizations to, to start springing up that do target the that target little girls. And I think that Google is everyone's best friend there, you know, especially, you know, even just searching like STEM opportunities for girls insert specific age in my insert area that I live in, right? That Google has become this amazing resource. Oh, wait, how does Google even exist? Oh, wait, STEM, OMG, right? STEM is literally everywhere, which is another thing I'm always saying. But to use these resources that, you know, Google will allow people to to find and to take initiative. You see something cool, don't be like, okay, that's cool. Write it down. If there's an email to reach out to, reach the heck out. Find out more about what the program offers. And to really, you know, to make the best out of our time on this planet, we need to take advantage of literally everything around us. Something, uh, a quote that I say a lot is do everything the way you do anything, right? Um, I learned this from my uh, one of my instructors on Peloton for my morning workout classes is always saying that. A couple of them actually always say that. And I think it's a really beautiful way to go about life. Constantly taking advantage of the resources around you, constantly pushing yourself to go the extra mile because if you know you would do it in one thing, you might as well do it in this other thing. That's super inspiring. So the name of this podcast is Girl Brave. And I named it that because I think that 
as women and young women, we take steps to be brave every day, no matter if it's just like raising your hand in class or sitting in the front of the classroom or staying in an advanced math class when your teacher tells you not to. What is your definition of brave? And do you think you are brave? Yeah, um, I really like that question. I think that being brave is just constantly showing up no matter what the circumstance is, just you know, being consistent in what it is that you're doing, you know, allowing yourself to maybe falter a little bit, maybe you're being a little bit broken down, but to continue to stick it out for a bigger why, for a bigger reason, why you're continuing to show up, really recognizing that in every way we go about our life, that it is meaningful and that it is so important to just keep showing up and to just keep doing the work. Um, and, you know, I want to be a really successful CEO one day. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I've started First Empower, but I definitely still consider myself an aspiring entrepreneur. And that's so scary sometimes, right? This and all, a CEO is a, a white guy, and a, a, a white guy. Yep, that's what a CEO is. And to say, even to have this thought that that's what, I, or more than thought, this intention to be that one day is being brave. So yes, I do think that I'm brave. And I think that, you know, even saying those words, that can be that can be being brave. That, you know, it is so hard, I think, for girls to affirm themselves and to say, I am awesome. I am deserving of this and I'm deserving of that. And to really just take up space and to take up, you know, say words that maybe they maybe they feel a little bit hard to get out or a little bit unfamiliar because we're so not used to saying them. We're so not used to telling ourselves yes. Right. And so being brave is pushing ourselves to say those affirming words to ourselves and pushing ourselves to, to raise our hands in class. Yeah. Because we know deep down that our words and our opinions and our thoughts are meaningful and we want other people to hear them. We need other people to hear them to create a world that is more correct than the world that we, you know, we, we were born into, right? There is so much work to be done and to really create a world that is more just and more fair in every way, shape and form relies on girls being brave and taking up space and walking into spaces that have been historically not meant for them, or they were told were not meant for them and breaking those narratives that shouldn't have been written into our history in the first place, but they are, and they're going to be hard to get out. Absolutely. But we have to show up and we have to do the work. And being brave is what's going to allow us to make the change that we want to see in this world. Yeah, definitely. I've always thought that taking up space is something I need to try more of. So like if I'm at a meeting or something, you know, it's so easy to cross your arms and kind of cross your legs and get small. And I have to tell myself to spread your stuff out, spread your elbows out and like, claim your space and the same with like standing where like move your feet apart and have like a powerful stance and it does make you seem more, feel more confident in yourself absolutely in every mirror selfie i take of myself i'm standing with my legs completely wide apart when i sit on the subway going to you know i live 45 minutes from from my high school uh, every single day you would catch me sitting at my, in a complete man spread, whatever the heck that means. It is in my nature to take up space. So that's what I do. And I have this nature because I've been constantly encouraged to take up space, right? By, by my mom, who is my, who was, um, my 
my female role model and still is my female role model. Um, and that's another reason why it's so important that, you know, through these, these STEM female role models that they, it is girls having female role models, right? And girls seeing other women take up space in, in, in fields that are not, you know, that they that weren't necessarily meant for them to be taking space up in, in, in the first place. So I think that taking up space is very much both, you know, a physical thing and, you know, a mental thing. You need to tell yourself that you can take up space and that you should take up space. And I think that, you know, a lot of the work that we must do is really work on our, on ourself, on ourselves and on our confidence. And the girls, unfortunately, you know, when they're starting off in their careers or just going throughout school, right. That yes, it's about, you know, doing the actual academic work, but this, there's just always this like inner dialogue that is work that needs to be done. So because that's the fact, because girls are born into this world where they're handed a whole extra set of homework that they need to do, might as well just do it. Might as well just embrace the fact that we need, we have, we have a long, long history of not given, not being given the same things in every capacity that boys have been given. So now it's our time to recognize that, which is the first step into now constantly be doing that work on ourselves. And I really think that that is work that we will see a real tangible effect. And that is so exciting. Well, I see it already in you, you know, like, so I'm in my forties and I'm still struggling with that confidence and that, that self doubt and that inner voice that constantly is telling me I'm not good enough. I could be doing better, but to learn it at a younger age, you know, 17 or six or five. I mean, that's the work that we're all doing right now together in this world. And I think it's so incredible. And I hope, I do know that I already see the difference. I mean, what you showed me today is I would never say any of that at 17. I mean, (laughs) so it's just super inspiring. And you are doing amazing work for the generation underneath you. And Gosh, I appreciate being able to talk to you today and getting to know you. And, oh, gosh, you're doing wonderful things, and I will keep following you. Awesome. That makes me really, really happy to hear. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Can you tell us um, the you, your website real quick so people can go look at uh, yeah, so it's www.firstempower.com. If you search us on Google, just first empower, first space empower, we should show up. We're still working on that. And please follow me on Instagram. It's at Izzy Lapidus. That's definitely where I am most active as First Empower is actually going to be doing some behind the scenes work for a while. So we're not going to really be producing new content as we're all, you know, 17 and 18 years old. And my my three co-founders are all not going to be doing college this this incoming semester and I'll be starting college. So a lot of change going on, but we are here to stay. Our work is here to stay. It is a lifetime's worth of work, but I think the best platform to really stick with what we're up to is, um, is definitely through following uh, me uh, at Izzy Lapras as of, as of right now. Great. And can people donate on your site? Yes. There is a GoFundMe up um, that we have not been promoting all that much right now, but definitely uh, all donations are are used to producing more innovative STEM education for for young girls. So if that is something that you care about, which I really hope you do after this conversation or listening to this, yes, definitely. That would be fantastic. It's on, on every single page on our website. There's a support or and there's a whole 
page on our website just for the GoFundMe as well. You'll definitely see it. Well, great. Well, Pinker Girls will definitely be giving you a donation. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks again for hopping on tonight. It's been great. And I hope you have a great rest of the summer and enjoy college. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us on the Girl Brave podcast. Go to pincurlgirls.com to hear more interviews with inspiring girls. And if you want to get on our daily text list, go ahead and click the encouraging text tab at the top. We'll see you next time. Bye.